Thank you, Asia and everybody. <coughs> and mic on, am I on? Here we go. Is that good? Okay. Awesome. Well, good to see you. I haven't been here for a while, uh, up here at least, since with being in church last Sunday. But most of you know that I've been in Phoenix a lot of the last eight months as my wife's been getting cancer treatment. And we have this really good step forward is that she is home right now for the first time, which is just really great. It's been a very meaningful time for her. She really wanted to be here this morning, but we fly back to Phoenix today, and it's a long trip, and so she's, she's resting up. But soon, but we just so thank everybody for your prayer, and um, it's just good. It's just good to come together, and, you know, I'm just so aware, I'm going to get into this a little bit, that the challenges that we've faced this year have been, I feel like I've been so prepared by the other challenges of my life, because <laughs> life is challenging. And I was just talking to Elizabeth about, you know, homecoming and projects and all. And it's like, yes, you know, that's, that's life. And I think we tend to have this idea that, oh, if I could just get past the challenges, that would be real life. And I love those, like, brief moments <laughs> of, like, pause. Those are great. But a whole lot of life is living in this broken world where the kingdom of light is pushing back on the kingdom of darkness. And it's, it's intense. And we're looking, we're going through the book of Acts. And you see that everywhere, that the resurrection of Jesus broke into this broken world, and it things up, and it brings new life, and restores people. But everywhere where it comes, there's, there's uh, resistance, there's persecution, there's difficulty at the same time. And so last week, Ryan Hickman did a, just, I thought he did a great job bringing a message from Acts 19 about Paul being in Ephesus, and what was going on there, and how the church really got started, and the Holy Spirit was poured out upon disciples there. And then a riot broke out. Talk about opposition, right? And there was this, this basically, and one of the main takeaways was faith in Jesus is not just about kind of mental assent. Like, oh, I, I say I believe the right things up here, but it's believing loyalty. Faith translates into how we live. And I just want to, we're going to be just continuing to follow up with those themes this morning, and really looking at the life of Paul. Paul is starting to come into this, this next phase of his life where he's, he's going he's gonna to leave Ephesus in this chapter and start, um, he's going to go a little farther. Ephesus was in, in modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. He's going to go back to Greece and that part of the world, and then he was going to make his way back toward Jerusalem. And, but he's knowing that he is heading towards imprisonment. And actually, for the rest of his life, most of his life is going to be in chains for the gospel, which that's a really big deal if you think about, like, okay, the rest of my life I'm going to be behind bars. And, and then he's going to be killed. And he, he, God has helped him to see that this is, where, this is what's going on. And so Paul is just an example, par excellence, an excellent example, not only of right belief, and the, 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 a term for right belief is orthodoxy, having proper belief about God, but he's a model of orthopraxy, which means right practice. And we're really going to dive into that in this chapter, like looking at how the life of Paul is a model for us, not only of what to believe, which we have like half the New Testament is Paul writing about his revelation of who Jesus is and the resurrection and what that means, who God is, but then also it translates into how to live. And he didn't just talk about it, but he lived it. And really, it's a picture for us to, to follow in his footsteps. And so 
just going to jump uh, in. We're going to not read the whole chapter. Uh, we're going to skip some of it, but I want to kind of read the introduction. Then we're going to skip a section, then we're going to read. The last part is going to be this kind of pastoral, fatherly charge that he's given to his beloved friends, the church leaders from the church in, in Ephesus. So in Acts 20, starting in verse 1, we read, I'm going to read mostly from the message translation, which is a little more you know, modern, emotionally charged translation. But I'm going to mix it up. I'm going to throw in some ESV there, too, just because I like the way it says some things. It pulls it out. So just if you're, you know, if you're uptight, if you're like, if you care about these sorts of things. Not uptight. Because I, <laughs> I care about these sorts of things, and I'm not uptight. <coughs> but the, the, the parentheses, there's some parentheses. That's the ESV. The rest of it's the message, all right? So just so you know, I'm not like making a new Bible up out of thin air. Uh, when the uproar ceased, so this is speaking about the whole like, mob that had ensued in resistance to the work of the gospel in the city of Ephesus. And just one more detail. So Paul had been in Ephesus for three years. This was a, a very prominent city, and it was a strategic place for the gospel. And Paul realized, we, I really wasn't going to invest here. He spent more time there than anywhere else in his missionary journeys. And so he was teaching daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus, making disciples, raising people up, establishing a church there that really was influential in the whole region and taking the gospel around. So when the uproar ceased, so this, this mob, Paul called the disciples together, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia, next to Greece. So he headed west. Traveling through the country, passing from one gathering to another, he gave constant encouragement lifting their spirits, and charging them with fresh hope. I was, a couple nights ago, I was in our kitchen, and I was playing this on audio Bible, just kind of mulling over this chapter, and son Ian was there, and he's like, you know, Dad, it just seems like one of the themes of Acts as we're going through is encouragement. Like, one of the main things they focused on was encouraging people. And I was like, you know, that's right, that's the first thing I'm going to talk about on Sunday. Good job, because, and I'm just going to give some takeaways from this chapter. The first kind of takeaway is, yeah, wow, that's a dramatic point right there. <laughs> first takeaway is you can't be too encouraged. You can't be too encouraged. Encouragement is a good thing. And we need a whole lot of encouragement in our life. And it's amazing that everywhere Paul and the disciples went, that you could describe what they did as bringing fresh hope, bringing encouragement to people. And you think, well, why did they need to do that? Well, because the people were like fighting for their lives. You know, there was, they were facing all sorts of persecution. The Roman authorities were trying to destroy them. The, the religious authorities were trying to squash this movement. It was a very intense and difficult time. And our situation isn't as intense as that, but life is intense. And a lot of times we think about following God of all these other dimensions of it that are important, like morality and this and that. But really, one of the most important dimensions of our relationship with God is being encouraged. And you can't be too encouraged. And you just, we, when we get encouraged, it's kind of like we got a big leap. And like we quickly find ourselves unencouraged. And you have to just like continually, the Bible talks about finding encouragement in God. Learning to encourage ourselves in God. Um, this is how I want to live. You know, I, I find that I, when I am encouraged, 
I just, life goes a lot better. And I have the ability to encourage other people, too. But when I'm trying to encourage other people, but I'm not encouraged, it just doesn't work very well. And so there's this, like, just very real thing that has to happen in us where God infuses us with courage, with encouragement. And we can look at, like, how am I doing in my, in my Christian walk? And a really good gauge is how much joy and encouragement am I living in? And I, it comes from a couple places. You're like, okay, that's good, but how do I get it? Like, just, how, you tell me to be encouraged, but how? I sure don't feel like it right now. Um, well, there are two places. Encouragement comes from God's word. God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't let this word depart from your mouth and your mind. Meditate on it day and night and speak it, and then you will be strong and courageous. The more we hear God's word and meditate on it and get his promises in us, we read the Bible, ministered as we hear people speak it, something happens inside of us, and courage comes, encouragement comes, hope comes, joy comes. Um, I was so excited to hear this fall that like 20 people signed up for new KO Orange Juice, new Kingdom Living Orange Juice. I'm like, man, that's a great way to just begin diving into the Word and seeing God's truth and God's promises and hiding it in your heart. And really those, like I just go back to those principles, those fundamental truths and those words of God over and over and again and find that they, they bring me what I need. And so it's from God's Word, and it also comes from being with other believers. It's like an old analogy is that Christians are like, a pile of uh, a coal fire, a charcoal fire, right? Charcoal, whatever. Charcoal that you grill with. And each one of us is one of those coals. And you, you stay in the pile, you stay warm and hot and encouraged. But when you move the coal away from the pile, you, you can be like, you know, this week I was okay. Because you're still like some lingering. But over time, it quickly dissipates and you lose that encouragement. And so there's just something about coming. In Hebrews, we're told, encourage each other every day. And don't give up gathering together, but be encouraged all the more. There's something that when we gather together, we're encouraged. This, um, this past season while I've been in Phoenix and walking through the challenges of Reagan's health battle, one of the most impactful things that's happened for me is my daughter, Anna, a couple months ago, said, Dad, she's in college at the University of Wyoming, um, and we talk, I talk to her probably more than anybody except my wife. <laughs> we talk quite a bit. And she said, Dad, I just, I want to pray for you. I feel like I want to pray for you every day. Is that okay? And I'm like, oh yeah, of course that's okay. And she's like, but I want to do it live. Like, can I call you and pray for you on the phone? And I was kind of like, oh, that's sweet. You know, sweet Anna, this is, this will be good this will be good for her. <laughs> this will help her. And so she started doing this. And she like every day called me like, hey, or text me, when's a good time to pray? It hasn't happened every day, but it's happened most days. And I'll tell you, like, there, I started like, oh, you know, nice daughter. This is nice. Let me just, I've got a lot to do here, really. i got things to do. I don't know if I have time for this, but yes, I'll be a loving dad and let you do this. And that, and I even find, you know, all honesty, I find myself sometimes like, you know, on mute or like checking emails while she's praying for me, you know, like, okay. 
But a little way, not a little, it took me a little while, but I realized, you know, this is really good. Like, she is listening to the Holy Spirit, and she is, like, giving me, like, pictures and words that, as we're, like, if I actually listen, it's funny how when I'm not tuned in, it's almost like she doesn't have much to pray for. But when I'm listening, it's just like this pipeline from the Holy Spirit. And I started, like, a month ago, I was like, I need to start writing this down, because, like, she's praying so much insight and good stuff. I need to, like, start a file on my phone and start taking notes. So... Not perfectly, but I've been doing this. And it's just like, like the words that God is giving me through my daughter. And like that's just like one of the most powerful things that, that's happened. And so I'm so thankful for that. And we all need that. Like we can't be too encouraged. And God wants to bring us to a place of having so much encouragement in us that we have an overflow that we're giving to people around us. All right. Verse time. <laughs> Good friend of mine says, I don't have long messages, just long introductions. So hopefully that's the case today. Then he came to Greece and stayed on for three months. Just as he was about to sail for Syria, so to Greece and then back eastward, the Jews cooked up a plot against him. So he went the other way by land through Macedonia and gave them the slip. Um, some people think like they were, he got the plot was actually to throw him overboard off the ship. And so Paul's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go by land instead. His companions for the journey, this is interesting, were Sopater, son of Pyrrhus from Berea. That was one of the towns where Paul had gone and preached the gospel and the church had started. Aristarchus and Secundus, both Thessalonians. That was another town, Thessalon Thessaloniki, where Paul had been. The church started. Gaius from Derby, another place. Timothy. And the two from Western Asia, Tychicus and Trophimus. They went on ahead and waited for us in Troas. He's writing Acts. And so he's, it switches here. He's, he's talking about, he's part of this process. And so it's really cool. You got Paul, him, but there are eight people, eight of these disciples, kind of like the most hungry, responsive, responsive people from the different cities he was at were like, hey, I'm going to go along. I want to be trained even more. And, I want to be raised up for, for leadership in this, this Jesus movement thing. And so you got this band of disciples that are traveling together, encouraging each other. It always is to be this orthopraxis. Um, I'm going to skip this next story. It's really cool. You can maybe be a good thing to read this week. But he goes to the city of Troas, and Paul's preaching late into the night. And this young dude named Eutychus falls asleep in a window. It's kind of like this on the third floor. He's sitting in a window. He falls asleep. This is encouragement to most preachers who are seeing people fall asleep while they're talking. They're like, well, it happened to Paul, so okay. So this guy falls out and dies, and they go down, and Paul speaks to him, and he's raised back from the dead. Uh, really awesome. A lot of good things we talk about, but we're just going to move on. Um, verse 17. From Miletus, he's sent to Ephesus for the leaders of the congregation. So Paul is traveling, and he decided, I'm not going to go back to Ephesus. It's kind of like, I'm so close to the people there that if I went, I couldn't pull myself away. Um, and I really need to get to Jerusalem in time for the, the, this holiday that I'm going for. Um, and so, but he went to this city that was not too far away, and he sent a message to the leaders, the elders in Ephesus. He said, hey, come meet with me while I'm here. And the rest of this chapter is going to be 
this talk that Paul gives to the leaders, the elders in the church in Ephesus. And I want you to just, we're going to read through it, but I want you to just imagine, like, this is kind of like Grandpa Paul. Like, this is, and he knows. I'm not going to, these are my dear friends. I believe in them. I believe in the work of God here. That, they are very important. The work here is very important. I don't believe I'm ever going to see them again. Like, you're in that group. And maybe there's a campfire or something. And you're sitting around. And Grandpa Paul is pouring out his heart, saying, this is what you need to get to live the life that God wants to live. To be the leaders that God wants you to be. And really, this is spoken to those leaders, but I believe it's spoken to all of us who God has called us to be influencers and uh, leaders with those around us. So when they arrived, he said, you know that from day one of my arrival in Asia, I was with you totally. Lay my life on the line. Serving the master with all humility and with tears and with trials, no matter what. Putting up with no end of scheming by Jews who wanted to do me in. I didn't skimp or trim in any way. Every truth and encouragement that could have made a difference to you, you got. I taught you out in public and I taught you in your homes, urging Jews and Greeks alike to a radical life change before God and an equally radical trust in our Master Jesus. But there's another urgency before me now. I feel compelled to go to Jerusalem. I'm completely in the dark about what will happen when I get there. I do know that it won't be any picnics, for the Holy Spirit has let me know repeatedly and clearly that there are hard times and imprisonment ahead. So he knows, like, this is, this is an important transition. It's going to be, it's been hard, but it's going to be a different level of hard, and he's going to be heading into imprisonment for the rest of his life. But that matters little. What matters most to me is to finish what God started. The job the Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I meet know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. You know, I, there's so much in here, so much of Paul's heart and passion, his life. The next takeaway that I really see is what I'm going to call grit produces great. Grit produces great. Grit just means mental toughness. It's that kind of like when the going gets tough, the tough get going kind of mentality. It's uh, Paul. I mean, you can really hardly look at Paul's life or hear him talk or read what he writes without being impressed, deeply impressed. By, God, this is a gritty man. This is a tough man. All right, he, he was constantly facing incredible difficulties and trials. And... He, it wasn't that he didn't feel it. You know, there was times where he said, I despaired of life itself. Like, this was so intense. I was at the end of myself. I didn't know what to do. But he had this ability through his relationship with the Lord to always press into God. And always, no matter how dark it was, he always got what And then he learned that, you know what, this is just part of the process and it's worth it. 
And having the right attitude, pressing on through difficulties, does what God wants to do in me, and it advances God's mission in the world. And so uh, that's just what it's involved. It's like if you want to be a marathon runner, you're going to have a lot of pain. If you want to change the world, it's going to take a lot of grit. And, you know, I'm just going to see the grit as a good thing. And I don't always like it. I mean, it's not like I always feel that way. But I'm going to see, like, you know what? It, God has a purpose in this. Grit produces great. And it's interesting that when God first called Paul, he had this encounter with God, and God knocked him off. He fell on the ground and saw his blinding light. And God said, he heard, the, or the message that was given to Ananias to come to Paul was, tell Paul he's a chosen instrument of mine. The next line is, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. Wow, you want to be chosen? <laughs> God, you're chosen? I'm going to show him how much he must suffer. But there was like, that's because of the, the, the greater your calling, like the greater your impact, there has to be a correlating level of entering into the sufferings of Jesus and experiencing him there and out of that experiencing his resurrection and bringing that resurrection to the world. Um, Paul, so all in this, this talk, I mean, if you could, there's so much in, in, in this language. Paul goes, I, I've worked hard with my own hands. There's opposition. There's difficulty. Um, but I'm, willing, I'm willingly walking into it. I was, um, I heard recently that, I've heard this before, but someone mentioned it recently. Bill Johnson, Pastor Bill Johnson says that the nutrients you need are in the giant that you face. But you got to eat that giant. you got to kill that giant and eat it. And there's nowhere else that you're going to get that potassium, vitamin D, whatever you need. Like, there's a giant in front of you. And it's usually the thing that you're like, can we just, this is not from God. This is bad. Bad life circumstances. I don't like this. This is bad. This is unfair. What, that giant is there because we're in a broken world. And that giant needs to be killed. And someone's got to kill it. Someone's got to face it. And But when you kill that giant and cook it, this is weird, cannibalism, Bill John, you eat it. There's something about when you like face that giant and really lean into it and eat it, there are nutrients in that that change you. And they give you the very thing that you need. So we are so prone to just be like, how can I get out of this difficult situation? Where God is like, no, this situation has the very thing that you need. But how, will, you, will you see it? Will you lean into it? Um, can I just be like, I'm going to be like, not Grandpa Paul, but I'll be like Uncle Johnny here. This is, I, just hear me with, with you know, I get frustrated when I'm talking to young people who have the most energy of anyone on this planet, the most natural strength, who are in a place in their life made by God to kick butt and take names and advance the kingdom like in a way that nobody else can like young people. And so often when I talk to young people, it's, yeah, the complaints about my life, but it's, it's like, what are you hearing? What's God doing in your life? Too often, what I hear is, oh, God is telling me not to strive so much. God's telling me I need to rest more. God's telling me I'm working too hard. And I know things that we need to hear from time to time. Rest is important. But, but I like the, the proportion of times that I hear that 
compared to how often I hear, man, God's telling me I need to change the world. God's telling me I need to kick butt and take names. Like, there should be more of that in proportion. Daniel says the people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. And so there's this, like, man, there's that sort of spirit and attitude is what God puts in us and wants to develop in us. So grit produces great. All right. You guys mad at me yet? Okay. I'll keep trying. See what I can do. But it's good. You're, I mean, you're around people like this, and it pulls it out of you, right? You're like, oh, yeah, man, I, I want to be like that. Um, let's just read the next thing. Verse 20. And, uh, I just want to say this. Next point is that orthodoxy, right belief, produces orthopraxy. Kind of already touched on this. We're not going to hit on it too much. But it's interesting that in the middle of this, I'm going to go back and read in Acts 20, verse 20 and 21. He says, I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And just, Paul can't stop. Like Every time he talks, he talks about the essence of this life, what we believe is that it's repentance and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance, and we all, it's repentance from sin, repentance from old ways of thinking. Yeah. Repentance from old ways of thinking, turning from old ways of thinking, and then faith in our Lord Jesus. And when we have that, when we're re- believing, turning from old beliefs to new beliefs, the right beliefs about Jesus, it changes the way we live. Last night, I watched the movie, what's his name, Free Guy, Free Guy, right? Who's seen Free Guy? Okay, not too many. It's like a role-playing game. Is it, you call it a role-playing game? The computer game, guy's, in the, guy's one of those, like, uh, shoot, what do you call it? NPC, yes. Non-playing, yeah, what is it? Non-playing character, playable character, yes, all right. So a guy's not, you know, he's, he's not a, he's a character in the, in the video game, but he starts to get self-consciousness and wakes up and he realizes, wait, I'm in prison here, there's more to life. I need to get free. And then he, um, he's, at one point in the movie, he's bringing that message of freedom to all the other NPCBF, whatever, you know what I'm talking about. To them. And there's one guy, because they're all the people that they just get taken advantage of all the time, because they're like holdups, burglary, things all the time. And so these are the players that just get shot at and heisted all the time. And so there's one guy who he always gets a gun pulled on him, so he just walks around with his hands up all the time. Like he's just already got his hands up. Like that's all he knows how to do, because that's his role. And so a guy tells him, Hey, it's okay, you can put your hands down. And he goes, really? And then you're like, oh, it's just, it's just too heavy. Like, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too hard. Because he's so used to, like, having his, his, his hands this way that he doesn't know how to be free. He doesn't know how to not be the victim. And by the end of the movie, he gets freedom. Spoiler there. But... That, that's like us. Like, we have ways of thinking. 
that were so entrenched in us. And they, they make us, we think that that's like the most free way to live. We think they'll bring us life, but they actually were, were just in bondage, these ways of thinking. And so I was thinking about this, this repentance, and I love how it's, re- usually when the Bible says repentance, it says repentance from sin. Here it says repentance to God. So it's turning to God. Yes, you're repenting from sin, but you're turning to God. The, the Hebrew people saw one of the understandings of repentance was that repentance is like coming home. Repentance is coming from the way we're living and thinking it's not really the way we were meant to live to the way that brings peace and life. Um, yeah, but it's not, it's not always easy, um, but it, it brings life. And so the question for us is how open are we to changing our thinking? How open are we to changing our, our actions? Um, that's one more quick story. This is, this is funny. She's across the hallway, but the kids, but she had a birthday this week, and Ian, her, I think her favorite gift was this stupid little keychain that's a dairy cow that moves, and you moves when you press a button, so it's like, <laughs> it's so annoying, and it, and she wouldn't co- stop touching it, and then Ian wouldn't stop touching it, so we're trying to, <laughs> it reminded me of the old interrupting cow joke, you guys know interrupting cow, knock, knock, anyway, it's, it's a great classic joke. So I tried to teach Amzi this interrupting cow joke. And she like was interrupting me from teaching her the interrupting cow joke. So I like couldn't get it right. And she's like, and she's like, no, Dad, I know the joke. It doesn't go like, I was like, oh, you tell me the joke. And she told it to me. I was like, no, that's not right. You got it backwards. You got the punchline in the wrong place. It's like this. And so I tried to tell her the interrupting cow joke. And she's like, no, Dad, you're wrong. It's the other way. And I was just thinking about this, this repentance. I was like, oh my goodness, this is so clear. It's like, I've got this like joke for her that will bring her life and freedom. And like, it's, like, it's so good. But she's so stubborn. Like, she won't listen to me to get it. Like, she'll be able to use this joke the rest of her life. And, and so, but she just like wouldn't listen. It's like, Angie, you need to repent. Like, this is really. Imp- and so I finally, I like looked it up on YouTube and listened to it. And she didn't have it quite right. But she had it closer than I did, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, dude, I got to repent. <laughs> like, I thought I knew this joke the right way, but it's actually, I totally wasn't doing it the right way. And so that's so much of our life is like that. Like, we were stuck in ways of thinking and living. And God's word comes and says, I've got a better way. But you've got to be willing to let go of this other thing and embrace it. Okay, last section. And so this is goodbye. Paul's talking. You're not going to see me again. Nor I you, you whom I have gone among for so long proclaiming the news of God's inaugurated kingdom. I've done my best for you, giving you my all, held back nothing of God's will for you. Now it's up to you. Be on your toes. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men, speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Remember those three years I kept at it with you, never letting up, pouring my heart out with you one after another. 
Now I'm turning you over to God, our marvelous God, whose gracious word can build you up and give you an inheritance and make you into what he wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. I coveted no one's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities. I worked hard with my own hands and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. There's a lot in this last section. Um, but the last point I want to make, last takeaway is, Paul's talking about wolves that will come in their midst. And he contrasts wolves who would devour the flock with the role that God's calling them to be, to be shepherds, who care for people, who feed them, who, who see, who realize that it's more blessed to give than to receive. The last takeaway is to be a promoter, not a predator. What? Be a promoter. Be a person who builds other people up, not someone who takes advantage of other people or uses them. One of our core values around here is that your calling and destiny matter to us. Now, we want to see people and see, like, wow, you amazing image of God. You have a calling and a destiny, and it's my privilege. Anything I could do to help pull out that calling and help unlock it and help, help you move a little farther along or a lot farther along, and that's what I want to do. I want to elevate other people. I want to help promote other people to live a great life have everything that God has for them. Um, serving others. It's, it's interesting, though, this warning about wolves. Because what do wolves do? Wolves devour people. And we can devour people. You may be like, oh, those were like super, super evil people who were in the church. And they just were a malicious intent. And they came with an undercover mission to undercut the purpose of God and you know, there, there were, I believe, like evil spirits and powers that were working to try to make that happen through people. But I, I don't even think that most of the people who were those wolves, like, they didn't start out intending to be wolves. They didn't, like, come to church on Sunday and fill out the Connect card and, you know, can I have opportunities to devour people? Please, like, help me to take advantage of others and use them. And, you know, no. But... There is something in all of our hearts that we just, we look out for our own interests. And it has to be an intentional choice to look out for the interests of others. And when we, we can devour people with our attitudes of bitterness, with our words, with unforgiveness, with, with slander, with lust, there are so many ways that we can use people. And really like, you know, the conversation, like I'm talking to somebody, but it's like, I'm not really thinking about them, I'm thinking about... I was just with four, uh, uh, with some middle school kids this weekend. And I was like, wow, it's just so obvious. <laughs> like, this kid's acting like he's saying something that is humble, but he's really bragging at the same time. And, like, we play these games all the time. Like, we act like we're showing attention, but it's really about, like, how can I promote myself? And there's God's work in our heart is to change us and to, to bring us to a place of, no, I'm going to lay that down. I'm going to see what I can do to give to this person.
It's more blessed to give than to receive. I, so being a, being a kid in a healthy family is a really great blessing where you're receiving a lot. But I'll tell you, being a parent is an even greater blessing when you're in a place to be able to give something to your children. And now we have to receive before we can give. Paul says elsewhere that we don't have anything except what we've received from God. And so we have to receive from God, but then the goal is that we would freely give. We would, we, we would come into the blessing of seeing, God, how can my life build up other people? And, and I know that's, that's something that God's doing. I, for me, I've just been so, some of the things that have been most encouraging to me this year, as I've been in Phoenix for so much, it's, it's been the stories and the, of people I'm seeing and hearing about who are investing their lives in others and who are doing these things, who are bringing encouragement, who are growing in grit. I, you know, I just, I love hearing about, um, you know, like I heard Nick stepped up on the tech team. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Go, Nick. That's great. Clay stepped up in kids' faith. Hearing about people like having conversations at work and serving their coworkers, um, people that have like volunteered so much for our our new church house and put in lots of hours, people leading leading Kingdom Living groups and leading Bible studies, stepping up, leading new new community groups. I'm like, wow, that's that's so great. People working through issues in their own life that are like, this is really hard, but the thing that's motivating them is, man, for me to love the people around me, I've got to I've got to be willing to stick in there, stay in there, and work through it. Man, those, those, are, the, those are the type of things that really, really change the world. Um, and so, I trust God's, you know, just like Paul sat around with his, his cohort, these words coming to us this morning, like, there are things that God has for each of us. You know, maybe, maybe this is probably true for all of us, maybe you need encouragement this morning. And maybe you receive the encouragement, even today, that God has for you. May you continue to receive that encouragement from his word and from other people. And then may you be at a place of having an overflow of encouragement for the people around you. Maybe God is speaking to you like, you know, I just, this, this giant in front of me, okay. I need to get gritty. I need to get gritty about that giant. And I need to lean into it and eat it. And God, whatever you want to do in my life, I, I want to stick, stick it out and see you honored through this. Um, maybe there are attitudes, you know, things, actions to repent of and have right beliefs flow into right actions. And maybe there's a place where you're like, you know, I see where I've been kind of, God wants me to grow in, in building up other people, loving other people. So let me just pray for us and pray that God would help us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you so much. Thank you for your enabling power. God, I thank you that our destiny, each one of us, our destiny and our calling matters to you. And you have provided the way through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, through the heroes of the faith who've gone before us, and through the heroes of the faith all around us right now. You've provided the means that we need. To, to live this life. To live a life of orthopraxy. To be a, the kind of lifestyle you call us into. 
Holy Spirit, will you not only make it clear to each of us this morning what you're speaking, but will you empower us to live it out? Lord, we thank you that you're doing that. God, I pray a blessing, pray your encouragement, an infusion of hope and life and vision on each person here. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. So good to be here. Yeah.